It's March 7th, 2019. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here on 17th Street in Manhattan with architect Joe Vance. Hi, Joe. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Can you tell me your story about how you became involved in environmental advocacy? Sure. Um, I moved to uh, Greenpoint in 1985, uh, directly from Indiana, which is where I was born, and um, worked uh, in an office in Manhattan. And, you know, like many people, you go back and forth to work and back and forth to work doing your thing and not necessarily really paying much attention to what's going on around you in your community. Um, and Greenpoint at that time was quite sleepy. This was before anything even thought of the word gentrification. Um, so it was sort of an increasingly elderly population, and there just wasn't a lot going on. There weren't, uh, wasn't a lot. The, the community had fought very, very hard in decades prior uh, against the sanitation, or against the um, incinerator and the BQE and big things like that, but then things had calmed back down again. So what got me involved was in 1999, uh, we were hit very hard by the Asian longhorn beetle and lost over one third of our tree canopy, which was kind of a big eye opener, like this is a big problem. And uh, there was some things going on back and forth about how, does the, how do these trees get put back uh, where they came from. Uh, there were some that wanted the X number of trees to be distributed evenly throughout CB1 as opposed to putting them back literally where they came down. Um, and that galvanized a bunch of us in the community. And so we gathered together and, and successfully got the trees back where they should be. Um, and in, as part of that effort, um, I just became aware of other community things. That's when I first realized that you know, we received one, uh, we were home to one third of all solid waste transfer stations in the city, and that our sewage treatment plant was the largest in the Northeast, and there were severe problems with asthma and things like that. Um, so that's, that's how I began uh, being involved. Uh, the next big step was the, uh, was the Con Ed Keyspan <coughs> power plant that was proposed for the Greenpoint Terminal Market site. That was a really, really big one, that was huge. Um, and that was, uh, that was what really, really brought everyone in the community together. It didn't matter who they were or what organization they were. Um, and, um, and I became very involved because that was a, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's one thing to get people together and oppose it and write letters and have protests and all that stuff. But these things are fairly technical and, um, you know, nobody's going to want a power plant in their backyard. Um, so I was fortunate that at the time um, some key people happened to recently move in. Um, uh, so it, you know, it was uh, especially myself and Adam Perlmutter, who's an attorney, and I can't remember his name. I'll have to dig this up. Peter, I can't remember his last name, was an environmental scientist, and some other people. Um, so what we t did was put together um, four position papers using lots of information um, that people in the community had provided about studies that had been done, uh, state waterfront management plans, and, and our own 197A plan, which was still in the process of being ratified, and, and lots of other documentation. And instead of just saying, don't put it here because we don't want it, um, we gave quite specific technical and planning reasons um, why it didn't conform to prior planning studies that had been done uh, by the city and the state. Um, so we defeated that. And, uh, 
that organization at the time was called Greenpoint Waterfront Association for Parks and Planning. And what we did um, to help give it clout, instead of it just being you know, a lot of individuals, <clears throat> we really uh, brought forth the fact that it was 52 community organizations. And those 52 organizations were on our banner and we made sure to get those 52 organizations to sign off on every position we made. Um, so at the end of this, we thought, hey, you know, we can't just let this go away. Um, we've got the community banded together, let's do something with it. So we morphed into Greenpoint Waterfront Association for Parks and Planning um, and um, kept it still an organizational-based uh, organization um, and went on to tackle parks and open space issue, issues as well as other things. And so when did you get involved with Open Space Alliance? Uh, that came after. So one of the first things that GWAP did um, was, again, through, through everybody getting together and, and through the information we put together fighting the power plant, we also discovered that most of us didn't know that our community was, I forget at the time, third or fourth uh, on the bottom of the list of all community boards in the city of open space per capita, the amount of open space there is for each person in the community. And that was a big eye-opener. So GWAP decided to um, address that. So we were very fortunate to get a good grant from the Trust for Public Land. And with that grant, we hired uh, professional uh, planners, urban planners, and landscape architects, um, and architects. And we conducted a community board one wide survey of parks and open space and started comparing that to uh, what the standards were across the city and across the borough and started looking at properties that were either city owned that could be obviously easily transformed into parks because they own it already um, and then other properties along the waterfront that we thought really you know they're sort of lying fallow now they may be privately owned but they're lying fallow and heavy industry is obviously moving away. Um, so uh, we propose that those also be acquired in some manner to become park space. So it was a really, it was a very, very thorough study, the result of which was a nice uh, big two-page map that folded out with lots and lots of information. And we were actually still in the process of wrapping that up when the city in late 2000 announced the rezoning of the waterfront. Um, and we were in the middle of all of this, and the community board got very, very well organized. And they, um, I think there were six or eight people that they specifically asked to help represent the community board on the various issues involved in the rezoning. Um, there were individuals that were that took the lead on um, on affordable housing, on um, maintaining manufacturing, light manufacturing in the community, on height and bulk of buildings. On, uh, to be able to try to argue against the bigger towers. Um, and then I was charged with parks and open space. So for five long years, five long years, we had lots and lots and lots of meetings and uh, I, I spoke all over the place at different organizations and at the Newman Real Estate Board. And when the time came, when the ULARP started happening, um, I spoke at the at the uh, hearings before the Brooklyn Borough President, before Community Board One, before the City Planning Commission, uh, and before City Council, uh, 
making the case for all of this. And then in the middle of all of that, we were hit with the proposed new power plant on the Williamsburg waterfront by Transgas. So we battled all of that and had lots of, lots of things going simultaneously. And it all sort of really, it all sort of tied together. There's a very common thread of parks and open space. So in the end, uh, you know, we didn't get all the parks and open space we wanted, but we did get something like 35 and a half or 37 acres uh, promised to us. And um, at the end of this also, I'd been getting personally uh, rather exhausted after, at that time, six or seven years of, of activism that involved literally three or four meetings minimum every single week for that entire period. <clears throat> and I'm an architect. I like, I like making things happen. I like fixing things and solving problems at every scale. And as an activist, you're largely drawing people's attention to problems or fighting against things or fighting for things. And I was exhausted from that and wanted to find a way to fix something. So Steve Hendy from the Brooklyn Brewery had in uh, early 2000 formed uh, the early version of the Open Space Alliance, OSA. <clears throat> its sole purpose at the time was to acquire the Bushwick Inlet, which was um, just a little fenced area surrounded by weeds where the Bushwick Inlet used to come in between Greenpoint and the north side. Um, so we literally had one formation meeting, and I think it was only a month or two later that the city announced their plan to rezone the waterfront. And in part of that, even in the early stages, they were talking about making that, uh, about acquiring that through eminent domain and making it a park. So we thought, oh well, we don't need to exist anymore. So we, we just put OSA on a shelf. But at the end of the rezoning, through me realizing that I really wanted to do something, and through advice of people uh, in various parts of the, of the um, city agencies themselves, uh, it was suggested to us that it would be actually very beneficial to the community for us to have a conservancy uh, modeled on the, uh, specifically on the Prospect Park Alliance with the significant difference that the Prospect Park Alliance, like the Central Park Alliance, is dedicated to take care of one, taking care of one park. We wanted to take care of all the parks in Community Board 1, so it was a bit different. So I went and talked to Steve, um, uh, who had also been a long time and still is, I believe, a board member of the Prospect Park Alliance, and Tupper Thomas, bless her heart, uh, sort of became our angel and helped guide us in, uh, in forming, reforming the Open Space Alliance as uh, a parks conservancy with a written partnership with the City of New York Department of Parks and Recreation, um, allowing us to uh, form improvements and capital projects in the parks within Community Board One. So we got together, uh, you know, very key people in the community to join the board initially, and um, people that had been involved for a long time. <clears throat> then we started bringing in new people, and now um, we've grown to 22 board members, and we've also morphed our name. It was. People thought Open Space Alliance for North Brooklyn was a mouthful, which it is. Uh, you know, anything you wrote the, for Brooklyn sort of kept getting left off. <clears throat> and there actually is a national organization called Open Space Alliance. So we just uh, very recently rebranded and changed our name to North Brooklyn Parks Alliance. And can you tell me currently what North Brooklyn mm -hmm. Parks Alliance, the mission and the kinds of things that you do in the community? 
So our mission is, is really fundamentally um, maintaining parks, improving parks, and expanding parks in Community Board 1. Uh, that's sort of the nuts and bolts, the gist of it. We do other things. We get involved in programming. Uh, we get grants that help do some other little things. Uh, but that's really fundamentally what we do. Um, the first project that we did um, uh, as when it was OSA, uh, right after the rezoning, was to, um, we sponsored uh, a, an effort to uh, demap a section of Union Avenue as it passes through McCarran Park. It's where the farmer's market is now. <clears throat> and that street was quite unfortunate. It, it divorced this little triangle where the dog run is from the rest of the park. You were constantly crossing a street with, busy with cars. Um, and that requires a ULERP, the exact same process that it took to do the entire rezoning. Um, and the city was not going to pay for that, so we paid for that. It was between forty dollars and $50,000 that we paid um, to the consultants required to conduct that multi-multi-year-long effort, um, <clears throat> as well as our staff time managing it. And in the end, it became uh, parkland. So it's no longer a mapped street. It's mapped as parkland and blocked off to traffic. And um, eventually, we will foster a project to uh, remove the sidewalks and the street bed and literally green it all in, in, in um, working with the Parks Department. And so after many years of activism, currently, oh, it's, a, it's North Brooklyn Parks Alliance. Correct. Correct, as a, on the board of directors. Correct, okay. yeah. And then our current big project, uh, in conjunction with State Department of Transportation, is very, very exciting. Uh, they're just completing in the next year, year and a half, uh, the total reconstruction of the Kajiushko Bridge connecting uh, Greenpoint and, uh, or connecting Brooklyn and Queens. <clears throat> and they approached our organization, um, again, largely through the efforts of Christine Halavash, who was my co-chair at, at Guap for almost the whole entire time, and a very, very long time activists in the community. Um, and they approached us and said, look, we have this property that we own under the bridge. Previously, it was used by waste transfer companies to park their trucks and concrete companies to park their trucks. And there might even been garbage there. I don't know. Um, and those companies all want it back. But we think that's a shame. We would rather it be something for the community. So they said we would entertain the idea of it becoming parkland, but uh, only if an organization such as yours takes on the job of making it happen uh, and maintaining it in perpetuity. We won't be, we're not in the business of maintaining parks. Um, so we brought that to the board. The board thought it was great. Um, we had a visioning session in 2018 with the community where, uh, I don't know, we had 40 or 50 people there, divided them into tables with a design professional at each table and said, hey, what do you guys think? What could happen here? Let's oh, use your imagination. Let's think of things. Um, and it was quite successful, and people were very excited. So based on that, we decided to proceed. And we received uh, a very nice large grant from GSEF, uh, the Greenpoint Community Environmental Fund. And we've used that money to hire uh, design professionals and financial advisors to work with us uh, over the next several months. And what will come out of that will be um, a plan for moving ahead with parks. Uh, and they've, they've recently expanded the property. So it's now almost seven acres of land, um, two blocks under the bridge, and then a parcel of land that connects it to Newtown Creek. So it's quite, quite exciting. It's going to be a very dramatic space and a tremendous thing for the community.
maybe you could talk a little bit about why it is so important that we have more open space in this part of Brooklyn. Yeah, so the long and the short of what happened, um, even though we were getting 35 acres of new parkland, what that actually does, because the it's, in, it's projected the population will increase by 40,000 in Community Board 1, so basically what that did was get us right back to where we were in 2000 when we already knew that we didn't have enough park space. It just We just treaded water. So we just need more, 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 the more we can get. Um, and there's no more city property to put it on. Well, there is one. There, uh, there are two blocks on the waterfront just south of the Williamsburg Bridge owned by the city that we are campaigning for that. That's right now uh, being used by DCAS and literally Here's prime waterfront land being used by the city entity that builds stages for municipal events and municipal parties and things. It should not be there. So that's the last piece that the city has. Otherwise, it's all private property, and how does that become parkland? Um, certainly Domino. That, that was a tremendous thing they did. They built more parkland than they were required to. It was a part of a deal they made in order to make taller buildings. Uh, but what we're doing is providing um, seven acres, which is kind of unheard of for a private entity to come up with that. <clears throat> and also in an area where there's, you know, this, it, there's really no active parkland. This will definitely benefit the, the, the people that live near McGoldrick Park. McGoldrick is an incredibly beautiful park, but it's specifically a passive park. There's no ball playing there or, or anything active except for the children's little playground. <clears throat> so this is very important because that area is growing. Uh, all that community, that portion of Greenpoint, the population is growing. And bits of uh, what we refer to as Italian Williamsburg are also in walking distance. It's absolutely growing. So I want to give those people a place to do something. But more importantly, it's going to be something unlike we have anywhere in our community or in many communities, actually, um, because we're going to have much more freedom of what we can do there. Um, so, so we're quite excited. So stay tuned. It's going to be a very exciting thing that's going to happen there. Can you mention how will that park be funded? Don't know entirely yet. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, one of the best state assemblymen in the city, Joseph Lintall, who's been our angel on this one, um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Joe will find ways of getting some money. Uh, <laughs> There'll be other things that happen. It's going to be creative. Because it's not owned by the city, we can do things that we could not do in a city park. For example, in city parks, uh, there are very, very tight restrictions on branding. You know, um, you can't get Nike to come in and build a facility and hang their name on it. That's just not allowed. Here we can do that. So um, there may be portions of this that are built by, uh, there will be concessions that'll be built by some vendor. Um, there will be things that uh, we will be doing there uh, that we will have built, but that will at certain times of the year, maybe there's some kind of tournament or competition that people will pay, um, that that funding will all come into this and we'll look for some more grant funding. Uh, it certainly won't happen all at once, Seven Acres is a big park, so it'll happen in stages. But we think that's the exciting thing about it. We think that it's going to be something that can grow with the community and evolve with the community. That's great. All right, well, thank you for speaking with me today, Joe. No problem.